In this episode, our panel discusses some interesting things, including how the game might change coupled with technology advancements in the next decade. I'm joined by golf writers Chris King and Ian Guerin. Hey everyone, welcome to Gimme Golf. This is episode number 10. Today we have an interesting topic. What will golf travel look like in 10 years? So joining me on the show today are two very special local golf writers, Chris King and Ian Guerin. There you go. I got it. Got it. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. And so when I contacted you both, I thought, you know, you guys need to come on the show because you're so creative. You pretty much know everything golf-related Myrtle Beach and many things not golf-related Myrtle Beach. I mean, Ian, you know pretty practically every sport happening going on in Myrtle Beach. So this is a really fun topic. What is golf going to look like in 10 years? Who wants to start this podcast off with some thoughts? teleportation right I mean, that's that's how we're all going to get here in 10 years get where we're going i've taken a look ian and i'm not sure people are going to like what they see yeah it's kind of like a back to the future yeah i i just want the the shoes that lace up on their own and you know get the get the jacket the self-drying jacket after that i mean i figure the golf will take care of itself oh i like that self-drying jacket I'm looking for the driver that uh, hits itself straight. I don't need that much distance. Just put me in the fairway and make sure I don't uh, chunk my approach and life will be good. Uh, You're probably asking for too much. Probably. (laughs) That would be interesting. Having a driver that you could digitally program. I want this to go 260 yards. You You can choose the angle, the degrees, the spin. Everything they have that on We Golf now. It's not really all that entertaining. (laughs) Well, speaking of such things, I mean, this isn't necessarily technology related, and it's certainly not a futuristic invention. But I don't know if y'all have ever hit like or seen someone play with the uh, Polara golf balls Mm. that purport to correct, uh, you know, a a slice or a hook. And I can tell you, I haven't watched somebody do it. It's remarkable. I mean, they they do work in that way. I played with a guy who couldn't hit the ball straight to save his life, and it wasn't. he still wasn't putting it on a string, but you could see the ball fighting its way back. So, all right, tell me about these balls. I mean, what what brand is it? It's Polaire. I mean, I'm not I'm not that familiar yeah. with the technology of it. Other, you know what? I mean, you don't really see them around anymore. I doubt that they still make them, but uh, obviously they were non-compliant with the USGA rules. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. All right, non-compliant. All right. As most everything. Still, it would be fun to try. Yeah, well, it was was fascinating to watch, right? I mean, a guy's hitting a ball that should be, you know, 70 yards offline. It it was probably still 30, but there was quite the correction. I wonder how they made those golf balls. I'm going to Google that later. It's there. Look at it. It's Polara, P-O-L-A-R-A, I believe. Yeah. Now, we have golf boards, and then we have the new fence scooters. Pine Lakes has those now, right, Nate? We have those at Pine Lakes? Uh, I think you and I saw a demo there. I think you wrote it. I don't think they're at Pine Lakes. I think Caledonia True Blue. I Caledonia True Blue. I believe. Okay. They have the golf boards there, right? Do they have the scooters yeah, I believe, too? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. I mean, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, you're traveling on the golf course, not in a golf cart, but we have new modes of transportation on the course. Have you guys tried them? I, I did the golf board um, when they first came out here. I did it down at TPC, uh, which, you know, interesting enough course as it is. But uh, I only ran it up on three or four curbs. Uh, it's 
it takes a little bit to get used to the golf board. And I, I think part of it is that you you get into a rhythm where I'm going to hit my ball and then I'm going to go sit down. And a lot of that is because most of us don't walk anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the golf board itself, I mean, unless you're an avid surfer or you're on a skateboard all the time, uh, it does take some balance and you have to steer it. Uh, your your stop and start is a little button on your thumb. Mm-hmm. That, that's all it is. And, and that's how you go. And they, uh, it's apparently they have two speeds on them for the most part. It's, you're either set at like 10 or 12 miles an hour or six miles an hour. And this guy decided to put mine at the higher speed after I watched a 15 minute <laughs> instructional video. And there was a group of about 25 Scottish tourists uh, on the uh, on the range that morning at TPC, and man, I almost took out half of them right <laughs> right off the bat because I came up the chute and I, I went to turn right, and it it did not turn right. I just kind of kept going straight and ramped it up. And these guys had already all been drinking; they're on vacation, and man, they had a good laugh at my expense that day. That's for sure. That's but, funny, and yeah. you really have to like when you're turning the boards, you have to lean into mm-hmm. them, like really put your mm-hmm. body weight in. You know, for me, you know, I weigh like 115, 20 pounds. I, I'm like literally pulling to the side. That's the only thing. I like the golf boards, but they're a little challenging if you don't weigh enough. You I caught on quick, though. I remember doing, we were doing the promo out there. You caught on really quick. Yeah, it was all my old so. surfing days. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> see, I rode a skateboard a lot when I was when I was younger, and so I, I didn't have a whole lot of difficulty, you know, picking up the steering and stuff. But I actually really like the golf boards. I mean, I, I think we're probably – for better or worse, past the point where the idea that they're somehow going to revolutionize play, thinking sure. that's going to occur. But, like, I, you know what? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I would certainly do it again. And, you know, mm-hmm. if if everyone rode the golf board, which is not practical for a lot of reasons, I, I do think it would help pace of play. I mean, it's I really, so absolutely. I mean, I it's really so, nice yeah. to be able to ride those things right up to the collar of the mm-hmm. green. Well, and you think, about, it, you think about days where a golf cart – would would mess up a fairway the golf board would not you're talking about less weight you're talking yeah. about fewer uh you know l- less width on the tires because the tires are, are a little skinnier uh you would have more freedom to to kind of range on those kind of light wet days uh i think being able to go right to your ball and one person at a time going each to their mm-hmm. ball it would speed things up again though you're going to lose some of the camaraderie that we like about golf i mean some of my best conversations have been sitting next to the guy in the cart so True. um you know i think you would lose some of that also they're they're not cheap and honestly there's people that don't need to be on a golf board you know that guy after three beers is not really, <laughs> i was getting ready to say that's, there that's are not, alcoholic beverages that, taking well and now and and you know and i brought this up to Nate the other day, I sent him a text about it that I'm, I'm starting to see all these Instagram ads again for golf boards. And I don't know if they're actively trying to promote more, or maybe uh, it's because, you know, I, I said something about a golf board three weeks ago and Instagram yeah. picked up on it. Um, but the ones that I'm seeing now have coolers on the back of them too. And I'm just like, <laughs> We're doubling you down might, on that. You might want to you might want to make that cooler a little smaller. You know that's you know it's just it's a safety thing too. True. Um, but also there's people that physically can't handle the golf board. I mean, like yep. you said, you had yeah. you had trouble steering it. I got done and the balls of my feet hurt because I was steering mm-hmm. so much with those trying to get it to go where I wanted it to go. Yeah, and it just you know when we talk about the pace of play benefits. I mean, you you lose that if everyone doesn't do mm-hmm. it, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't matter if our group rides them; it helps us play twenty minutes faster. If everyone else is, you mm-hmm. know, in the cart and going mm-hmm. a little slower, we 
we've still not netted anything. But when we talk about transportation and what like golf look, travel looks like in 10 years, this, this doesn't um, apply directly to the course. But the one thing I think of is, you know, I mean, we're not that far from completely autonomous self-driving cars and how that will, <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but it changes your golf trip, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can drive overnight. You know, if your if your trip you generally plan to leave and get here on a a Wednesday evening or something, you're driving down here from Northern Virginia. You can, you know, you, we're not that far from being able to plug in the address at TPC Myrtle Beach and arrive there at seven in the morning. You wake up from your car, you get another day in. Of course, now you leave a day early on the way back too. But I think that's coming. Now, like cars that do that, do you actually have to be behind the wheel, or can you just like hop? Somebody in? does. Somebody does. I guarantee you that the uh, United States government is not ready to <laughs> start letting two people ride in the back seat of a Tesla just yet, you know. No, and in the 2010 Ford Explorer, it still absolutely requires. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't think that that's that far into the future, though. I mean, that's coming. I think, And you're right. I think right. with some of the ones now that are getting closer to that, someone's still certainly required to be in the front seat. But... I foresee a day coming when that's not the case. If, you're, about, riding, you, if you're riding with Chris, though, you'd rather have a car drive itself. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. You would be much yeah. better off. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe Ian, too, based on yeah. what those Scottish yeah, exactly. golfers found. Yeah. Now, what about drones? When I mean, are we getting close to the day that we can actually have our own drones? If they're delivering packages now, like UPS, FedEx, mm-hmm. dropping stuff in at homes, that stuff's got to be pretty weighty. So let's say the average person weighs, I don't know, 100 to 250 pounds. You know, let's just let's just hit all those. Oh, you're on the low end. <laughs> the average golfer. I have a, my, my mom and my sister are super little. So they're like 100 yeah. pounds. <laughs> so we'll, I'm thinking of them, Step and I'm thinking about your world. <laughs> right. The vacuum is, uh, is evident here. Okay, let's just let's just let's just go for 250. I mean, when's that day going to come? That would be pretty cool. It's, that's getting, like, Judson-like. In, ten, in your, 10 years, no way. Yeah. You don't think so? No way. No way. I, I'm not doing it in 10 years. I'm not doing it in 50 years. But then again, I'm scared of heights. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think the more realistic application of, of drones would be club transportation from, like, a hotel to a course. I mean... Mm-hmm. We've seen ship sticks is starting to get bigger. Somebody asked me about that the other day in an Uber. I mean, um, you know, we're starting to see people more uh, more uh, willing to, you know, allow somebody else to, to move their product around. I think that um, we very easily could get to a point where, you know, you don't have to worry about transporting your, your clubs in the morning or, or the night before. You, you know, you have them delivered, whether it's a drone or whether it's just somebody picking it up in a van because, mm-hmm. you know, we decided that the drones and the self-driving cars weren't quite, uh, we weren't quite ready for them yet. I, I think that's, uh, that's something that's coming. I, I think people want to make this as easy as humanly possible. And the best way to do that Getting to a golf course is not having to take your own clubs. I mean, if you could walk up and your clubs are already set, they've got a little tag on there. I mean, how hard would that be? I mean, that's something they could do tomorrow if they really wanted to. Yeah. yeah and you know what? Look, in some places, they probably that probably already occurs. It's a little different down here because just as a destination, we're not as sort of singular. Most trips aren't focused on a singular resort. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, and you know what? Places like, I don't think they do it to the level you're talking about but inlet sports lodge down in Merle's Mm -hmm. inlet I mean I know they'll 
you know, a place like that, you're already getting close to it. And you know what? Again, as higher-end hotel properties come online, um, you know, here along the beach too, I think you'll get much closer to seeing something like that. As for, you know, airline travel, I mean, we're pretty fortunate here in Myrtle Beach. I mean, we have a lot of direct flights now. I mean, you know, our, our international airport really is growing. It used to it, not be like I that. I know. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, golf is a sport that kind of famously is resistant to, to technology and change, and a lot of that's good. But, I mean, you know, I think over the next 10 years, people will continue to embrace, you know, right, like how courses package providers, whoever it may be, communicates with the, mm-hmm. with the people that are, that are playing the course, taking the trip, doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, look, I think we'll get to the point eventually where your phone, hopefully as it relates to pace of play and stuff like that, that people will be messaging you um, on your phone, hey, and you're, you're 10 minutes ahead of schedule, good job. So I, Meredith, I, you're 10 mm-hmm. behind. I mean, I, like that stuff's coming, right? Mm-hmm. I had I, an I idea think. 10 years ago at the golf course, not to chime in, but was the golf cart technology. You tell people on the first tee that your golf cart will shut off after four hours and 20 minutes. Wherever you're on, you're done. <laughs> so that was my idea. Well, we that could, was like 10 or 15 years ago. Well, we, so, could, we could tie that in with the self-driving car, then it just yeah. takes you back to the clubhouse. You're done. Yeah, you're done. No matter, no matter what. You whether you're sitting in the yeah. cart or not, this cart is coming back at yeah. 420. You've only played 14 holes, that's your problem. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, TPC, they have it somewhat of a system that – Tracks your time. Uh, they a have little GPS. Bit. That's the mm-hmm. best part of GPS for golf courses mm-hmm. for the most part is that you can actually see where every golf cart is on a golf course. And if they go out, actually, they have this now. Not I don't know if it's TPC, but if you go outside the geofence, it will tell you to get back on track or may shut down. I don't think it shuts down yet. No, most of them, what they'll do is yeah. your cart, uh, you know, the governor kicks on or, you know, you end up going about maybe two miles an hour. You've got to put the cart into reverse. I mean, I've, I've had that happen several times, playing cart path only. Um, not, not, not that I was driving it off the path, of, of course, course. But, right. you know, when you play with Ian, you never know where the ball is going to go. You try to take a shortcut. I, next I like you know. to see every bit of a golf course. You know, I'm, I'm here to report the facts, and sometimes the facts are what 100 yards into the rough looks like. That's, that's my job. I, okay, and I don't, I don't take it lightly, Chris. And you. you do it well. And look, I'm with you. Everybody knows what it looks like 100 yards from the fairway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not where most of us are. Now, Ian, what is your game like? I mean, this is kind of a side note of what we're talking about, but I haven't played golf with you. What's your game? Not, game, not good. I don't know. Um, I, I did pretty well at Top Golf that one time. No, I mean I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a mid to high teens handicapper, and if I'm playing more, obviously I, I play a little better. Um, you know, I played River Club last week. I think I shot a 91, and I hadn't played in a couple months. Um, you know, I've my game has gotten dramatically better the less I try to hit the ball off the tee. Um, I actually did buy a new driver um, last summer, and it was the first time I'd had a new driver in a decade. And I quit trying to kill the ball, and it, it took the slice out. I mean, it's still there every now and again, but it's nothing like what it used to be. And, and honestly, that alone probably shaved you know seven to eight strokes off my game. Mm-hmm. I decided to do that four or five years ago, um, and, and it made the game a lot more fun. Now, the short game is still hit and miss. My putting's pretty decent still, but 
biggest change by far was just, you know. Is it like I, you're just slowing down your tempo? Yeah, and I'm not trying to hit the ball 300 yards. I could never do that anyway. I mean, I could slice it 300 yards that way, but right. I, I could never hit the ball that far. And I think a lot of it was I had this idea in, the, in my head about where I needed to be, mm-hmm. and it was a figment of my imagination. Anybody watching me play was like, heck is this guy trying to do here because it's <laughs> not smart so i scaled back on that and it's it's a lot more fun now yeah hey, hey Meredith, you'd know this how can golf equipment change what can they do with the golf club that's going to be any better than the last driver that came out i, I can't figure that out it's i know that's crazy. a tough one that's it's, that's really tough i mean it's the equipment and is the golf ball so can't change now. really i mean it's 10 yards, what it used to be, the golf ball difference can't be more than 10 yards from one another if it's, it's not conforming. So I just, you know, I see all these ads not being on the golf industry side anymore. It's like, man, they just had a new driver out six months ago. They never used to do that, but mm-hmm. what else can they do? Well, well, how can the equipment change? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. Nate. No, and, and no. Meredith, just, you would yeah. know a lot more about the yeah. equipment side of it, but, um, you know, I mean, the USGA and the RNA are currently undertaking a a study of distance in the game and I mean you know this takes the conversation in a bit of a different direction but I mean it's entirely possible in 10 years that there will be from now there will be no advances in technology to balls and clubs and mm-hmm. if the governing bodies have their way I mean there's a there's at least a chance that some of that could even be rolled back I don't think it'll happen for a variety of reasons many of them financial related but mm-hmm. um, I you know I don't I don't know that there will be a lot of yeah. club and ball advances, at least as it relates to distance, unless, of course, there'd be a bifurcation of the rules. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Meredith because it's been maybe two years. Mm-hmm. She got the new Epic driver, mm-hmm. and she said, I'll never have another driver again. So that's a yeah, good test don't. to see if you hit something that's better than what you have. True. So, and you still have it in your bag. I still have it in my bag yeah. because it has given me the most yardage. I mean, when I hit it well, on TrackMan, I'm at 240 with that driver, and that's the longest I've been. Well, since college, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say how old I am now, so I'll take that. This I'll brought to you by Callaway Golf. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, equipment, it's, you know, it, it's almost maxed out. I don't want to say that. I don't, You know, I never want to say never, that there can't be something else, you know. Did you just get new irons? Um, no. Yeah, okay. Nope, that's I've had good. my irons for about a year and a half. Oh, you got your wedge back. Yeah, you I, I got new wedges. You found, you found okay. Yeah, because I'm a blonde and I forget my clubs on the putting green sometimes, and so I got to come back and get some new ones. You leave me teaching. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, club manufacturers have confused people mm-hmm. more than they have. Well, they're making a ton of money. Let's just be honest. I mean, they're making a killing. So. But you used to buy a driver and play with it for two or three years, and you could sell it for a couple hundred dollars, and now it's like. Well, it it's loses its it loses well, its value. Really, well, that's my get. my new my new one's a, an M4, and it was used and it had one spot on it. And I asked the guy, I'm like, why is this? You know, it was two hundred and fifty dollars off what I would have got it brand new. And I asked the guy at the shop, why is it so cheap? He said, oh, it's a used club, and it doesn't really look used. It had one little spot on it. He goes, this guy probably had too much money. Came in here, took it out to the range one time. He said, I can tell you right here, he popped one up. He goes, you can see it on the club. He popped one up. He probably decided he didn't like it. He came back. He traded it and got something else. Mm-hmm. So I got a club that uh, looked brand new, minus that one little dinky mm-hmm. spot. But when I bought that club, the M5 and the M6 and probably the M7, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that club, to me, is brand new, and I've had a, a good bit of success with it, coupled with my strategy of not trying to kill the ball, yes. But mm-hmm. I've had a good bit of success with it, and now there's 
two clubs in the line that are better than that thing. And you're telling me that Joe Schmo with too much money, that that's exactly who they're they're marketing that toward. But you're he right. may not have seen the ads. If you had those two new clubs, you'd be hitting it 30 yards further. <laughs> right, I would be hitting if 300 you, if yards, you right? If you took that line, Chris, every single year that they say that, I would be driving the ball like 800 and yards. It's, and right it's, not even every, it's not even every year. It's every four months I you know. hear about the next great thing. Well, I mean, and even beyond that, I mean, the, where they get these results, I mean, it's no different than the ball, right? I mean, the truth is, is that, you know, people with a swing speed like, like those of us sitting here talking, I mean, do we really get the benefit out of the Pro V1? Or, you know, we don't. But but it's the placebo effect, too. If you tell somebody that something is better, they're automatically going to believe it, and their brain is going to produce the the endorphins to... suggestion. Right, right. This is, I mean, this is something that we've talked about in a million different fields for a 100 years. If you tell somebody... This is better. I mean, we went from the 8 to the 10. I mean, come on. I mean, Even if they disagree, they, they, it's going to be filed in their subconscious. Right, right. <laughs> and so, and, and yeah, maybe it's a short-lived truth, but heck, they hit it on the simulator one or two times, dead center, 290 on the simulator. Then they're, you know, obviously this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, so. Hey, short-lived doesn't have to extend beyond the trip through the checkout line. That's all they care about, because <laughs> so, you bring it back, they're docking you for right. it, so that restocking fee, that's how Dix makes their money. And then they'll sell it again to you? Yep. yep. So. Well, I tell my students, they ask me about equipment, should they get new equipment, and I go through their bags, making sure, obviously, you know, the, the swing, like the shaft weight, you know, I, I check their lie angle. I, I want to make sure they have a decent fit. And if they're not fit, of course, I'll suggest that they go get fitted. Um, but if their clubs fit pretty well, and let's say, hypothetically, they're four years old, I say keep them. Keep them. You know, usually, like, the five-year mark is when I say, you know, if, it's, if you've had these clubs about five years now, so here we are in 2020, if, if you've had clubs since 2015, I'm not suggesting to go out and buy new ones, but just get them checked. Maybe go get them recalibrated. Get your grips changed. See, you know, swing and on, on some monitors and, and see what type of distance is, what the ball's doing, and just have a, like, it's almost like a doctor's checkup. Just go have, like, a club fitting checkup, and if the clubs are still working, keep them because if they're not broken, you don't have to get the the newest and greatest equipment. This is perfect, Meredith. I mean, my irons are 11 years old, and I've always worked <laughs> under the rationale that there have to be a lot of really good shots left in them, but maybe the problem is they're sick. It's well, not me. They need that's, a, that's definitely the case. They need a doctor's my, checkup. my 16-year-old ping I twos definitely have stage four cancer at this point. <laughs> they're they're not doing too well. It's metastasized all the way. Oh, the way it's it's, it's right into the grips and beyond. Guys, <laughs> you need to go to the equipment doctors. I need a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to go to the equipment doctor and the psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, do y'all have any other ideas? about golf travel in 10 years it's i mean it definitely is an interesting topic a lot of ways we can go with it do we want to talk about i-73 i mean does that (laughs) well that would help too i mean if we had self-driving cars in an interstate nay you can just label this on facebook their discussion on i-73 it'll be the most viewed podcast (laughs) facebook live in the history of this company or at least hashtag it catch me up on that i mean i i don't watch a lot of local news to be honest with you but what's going on there so it's maybe our viewers the same know. thing and when i moved here in 05 they yeah. it, it could happen it may not and and until they start putting asphalt on the ground 
I'm, I'll, no, I'll be waiting for it. Well, I, we've I, all lived through the 31 extension and the Highway 707. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that. We lived through that. You know, but, and, and I'm, and, and I, look, I, I, I think more access in and out of Myrtle Beach is a good thing. This is not a political statement. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was right. good when, you know, when Spirit and Allegiant started more of these direct flights because honestly, before it was a pain in the butt for me to get out of town. If I wanted to go visit family, a lot of times I was driving to Wilmington or Columbia or Charleston. And, and honestly, those airports should not have more flights than the biggest tourism, uh, you know, draw in South Carolina. However, with I-73, if you, if you look at it and you get up across the North Carolina border, and even as you start getting close, there, it, there is access there, you know, again, it costs money. Somebody's got to pay yeah. for it. But if you're going to tell me that you're going to put another road that's going to make it easier for people to get in and out of Myrtle Beach, I think that's a really hard sell against it. Why would you not want to do yeah. it? Again, somebody's got to pay for it. 31 has been great for the great right. strain for the golfer. Right. I mean, you think about the golfer can get up from, you know, south end up on 31. That's mm -hmm. been great. And it brings some courses into play that it's like, oh, it's too far south or too far north. It's really helped out a lot. Mm -hmm. has. Look, I mean, even setting aside the implications for golf, I mean, you know, the, the truth is you could make a pretty good argument that it's a public safety thing mm -hmm. <laughs> to me for the need for I-73, mm -hmm. particularly as the area continues to grow. I mean, I, I think this was the second fastest growing uh, metropolitan area in the country. Did I, I see that? I mean, we're adding... Yeah. If not, if not there. one, yeah, if not number one, it is among the top. Yeah, and I mean, look, hey, a big, you know, we don't ever like to talk about the H word, but eventually, you know, I mean, look, we live on the coast. Everyone eventually gets hit with something like that. Yeah. And I mean, right. you know, transportation and ease of access in or out could be the difference in saving lives and not. I mean, for, for a city of this size, we're due to have an interstate yeah. or some sort of forest sure. road. And it's winter. It's not time to think of the H word. No, no, I'm not going to. I know when, we're, I know when, when we're talking about the need for that, I mean, that's golf and for, right. for residents, too. Right. And we bring so much uh, money, this county, Horry mm -hmm. County, to mm -hmm. the state of South Carolina. You would think that. I think it's the we third, of, third of the state revenue, I think. Yeah, that's like yeah, so that's a very good point that you bring up, Ian, though. You know, our road systems, I mean, they're, they're getting better, but they, they're not where they need to be, yeah. especially um, having almost 100 golf courses now, in a 65-mile linear line. <laughs> yeah. If we're taking bets on this, I will be sleeping in my self-driving car on the way to Columbia <laughs> before I'm taking I-73 there. Does anybody <laughs> care to take that bet? Is, or, it, is it the field? Because I think there there might be some other things happen before I-73 is built, too. Or you'll be on the 13th hole and your car shut off. Yes, one or the other. Okay, right? but what about, like, trains? You know, like, in Europe, you can just, you take a train everywhere. And it, why do we not have, like, a faster train system? It, it's sad we don't have high-speed rail. I mean, and sad right. we don't have the train that comes into Myrtle Beach. It was supposed to come uh, into Myrtle Beach, that mm -hmm. bridge that hangs on 501. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. mm -hmm. I took Amtrak, and he said, yeah, this years ago this was supposed to come mm -hmm. into Myrtle Beach, and it goes to Florence instead. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Train would be good. And they're, and they're fighting that. They're fighting that all over the country. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, everybody who's ever followed me on Twitter knows that I spent a good bit of time in Texas. I mean, they're, they're fighting this with the, the Dallas to Houston line right now. It's, it could be up to a five-hour drive. You know, they talk about putting in a high-speed rail, and you're talking about a two-hour commute between two of the biggest cities awesome. in the country, and they're they're having all sorts of hang-ups. So it's not it's not just 
you know, us here as I kick over my drink. You know, it's not just us here. It's it's everywhere in the country. And part of that is the, you know, the mindset of, you know, we have become reliant on one thing or are comfortable with one thing. There are people who refuse to fly to Myrtle Beach because 12 hours in a car is, is not a big deal. Um, there are people who will not drive because they can get a $150 round trip air ticket and they don't mind dealing with TSA. Okay. You know, there's a large segment of the population that doesn't believe that uh, the train is necessary because Tesla is soon going to be hauling us from work every day <laughs> while we're snoozing off the last <laughs> little bit of the snooze button in the back seat. You know, so there's all these all these things hanging us up. You know, a, a train would just from Conway to Myrtle Beach would would be wonderful yeah, if they right. open up that train yeah, line. Really I mean, would. you're talking about Drop people off at work. Right. You're talking about a downtown Conway drop off where all those people are working and then they just gotta get back to Myrtle Beach. They get in their car and they drive home and it's five minutes in a car instead of, you know, twenty five or thirty. Nate, you got a plug for us? Yeah, I want a, a little plug. Don't come to me and wake wake me up. I've been, no, ta- I've been talking plug. too much, so normally you come to me, you have to wake me up and read this. So, <laughs> uh, MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com is the ultimate resource for planning and booking your next golf vacation. Whether you're looking for a stay and play package, tee times only, or just want to keep up with the latest news written by Mr. King and Mr. Garen that are sitting here in the golf capital of the world, MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com is the place to go. Best rates, best service, best trip planning resource. MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com will make your next trip even better. I want to highlight a few of the things that are on the site right now, which are pretty cool. Um, posted yesterday, we started a Q&A with you, Meredith. Q&A with uh, LPG instructor, Myrtle Beach Golf Ambassador, Meredith Kirk. There's a place to go on that article and um, leave a question if you've got a golf-related question. Yes, and Myrtle I've Beach travel got a question. Bunch of I'm got so a bunch. excited. Um, or you can go on to her social media accounts. Ask a question there. Follow her. Um, other thing that's pretty cool we've got going on is our Riding with Reimer, a video web series that we sponsored with Myrtle Beach Golf Trips. Uh, Charlie Reimer, who is now a Myrtle Beach resident, um, played 12 golf courses and has 12 celebrities. Uh, right now on the site, uh, Damon Hack is on uh, the Golf Damon. Channel. Damon's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. Um, our first episode was Hank Haney, so there's more to come. They're rolling out one each week, so make sure you go to the site and check those out. The really cool piece that we've been featuring now, I think three years in, the 10 must-play Myrtle Beach golf courses for 2020, which people are highly engaged in that. I think it's we've done that three years now, 2018, 2019. So check out those 10 must-plays for 2020. And then Chris... We just uh, posted a story that Chris examines the five hardest Myrtle Beach golf courses. Everybody wants oh, to wow. know which one's the hardest. Now, that's a tough. Talk topic. about this. This was not extremely scientific. It was according to uh, the USGA, right? Yes, that's right. Used their uh, their slope and rating system seemed like the most objective way to do it. Though yeah. people obviously there there are questions that can be asked about that process too. But it takes any sort of emotion out of it for sure. Yeah, so so we have great content posted regularly on MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com, also on our sister site, MBN.com. Um, and also, we want to just tell you, you can subscribe to our Gimme Golf podcast. We are now on iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, mm-hmm. SoundCloud. And if you don't have a favorite platform, you can go right to MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com to our podcast section 
and you can go back and scroll and listen to all of our first nine episodes. So right. They're all I can't cool. believe we are number episode 10. number 10 today. I think I'm just going to go to the website. I don't know what like six of those things you no. listed are. I've never and, even and heard I of them. neither. It's like, what is that? So, But, but that's all I got. So, all right. I'm, Thanks, I'm Nate. I'm done. That was a good update. So yeah. we're talking about what golf travel will look like in 10 years. While we are on this topic, I know I was, um, I mentioned to you guys thinking about doing a, a second podcast on digital technology, but since we're talking about golf travel, let's go ahead and talk about that right now on this podcast. I think that would be fitting. So equipment and digital technology, we've talked a little bit about that. Any ideas on what you guys think that's going to look like in 10 years? Number one has to be a GPS chip in the ball. Yeah. It absolutely has to be number one. That's and, awesome. Um, it, you get that, you, you pair it with your phone, you pair it with a screen in the cart if it's applicable. Uh, I, I am. I tell you what, last week some people saw my pictures. I was playing with a bright green Volvic Vivid Hulk ball. Those were like, like, awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. They were, they were, it was like 16 bucks for the four of them, and it was a really good golf ball. I hit one dead center. And everybody was shot of the day, shot of the day. We we couldn't find the darn thing, and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, if I had a GPS chip in this ball right mm-hmm. now and it was connected to my phone, I could know for sure because there was a little bit of water. I would have had to really poke it to get there, um, but I, I never knew. And and I'm telling you, they've they've got they've got chips in the ball at, at Top Golf's. They've got them uh, at training facilities. Why can't they put something in the ball that would allow me to know definitively where it was. You want to talk about pace of play thing? Oh, that uh, I was I, thinking that. I am, yeah. I am so sick of watching people in front of me go two by two in their carts way off in the rough looking for a ball for five minutes. Like, I don't care what you're playing. It ain't worth that, and it ain't worth my time, too. You, you put that chip in the ball, you're going to really see pace of play speed up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I uh, you know what? That was actually that was number one on my list, too. I mean, it's a it's a no brainer mm-hmm. to your point. I mean, I, it doesn't it shouldn't impact the performance of the ball. I want to say it was an encore or some. I think someone was experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to to implement it, it, tie it into a GPS or even an app on your phone. But to your point, I mean, you know, for we all talk about pace of play and how much time someone spends reading a green or how many practice strokes does someone take. I will. I've long maintained that most pace of play is lost. Because we're in the woods looking for golf balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it is, and you know what? If if I hit it into the woods, invariably you guys come and help me look for it. Mm-hmm. And so then the whole group is is slowing up with it. If you've got well, that thing in the ball to your point, you drive right up to it. Well, and, the guess and if you're already chipped in the ball, and if you are microchipping the ball, and if you're already got the app on your phone, which obviously you're going to be using if you're buying a microchip ball anyway, uh, if you're to that point then the technology that is automatically going to exist where it's going to read your next shot for you. It's yep. going to take this out of the equation. It's, I mean, your the, the club selection, while you are driving up to your ball, you're going to know how far that ball is from where you're trying to get it's, to. Yeah, it's, um, it's everything, the, the, all the information. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a whole start to finish yeah. that the ball is going to be able to uh, save you time, but also give you more peace of mind on what that next shot is. It, it's it's a no-brainer because it, it's so logical. It's going it's to give you the yardage, and then eventually, and this is already here with shot tracking, mm-hmm. with things like shot mm-hmm. scope and stuff like that, that they'll tell you to your point, hey, you were 165 yards, and Chris, you've hit the ball 165 yards with that six iron once in your life. 
right. you might want to you might want to hit right. the five here or something like mm-hmm. that. And that's something that on an app that could be the premium side of things. Like, oh, you want to you want to give away this part of your app for free? Okay, well the next side is the premium is your shot tracking. Okay, so that's that's a money maker for an app developer. And oh, honestly, I'm I'm guessing somebody's already thought of it. They just somebody's got to be doing it right now. It's getting those things together though. The conform conforming with the USGA, the mm-hmm. golf technology, and just saying, okay, you can't. And play the patenting. I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, you well, sculled the ball 81 times. Would you know, it? Are you around today, or you hit it fat? I mean, that's it's maybe. And maybe it maybe it thins uh, the golf hurt a little bit yeah. if you got too much information. Like, God, I really stink at this but, game. You know, I mean, as an instructor, no, but, I would love that information. Just think what else it would do. It would stop people from cheating about their score too, because if it told you how many times you actually did hit the ball, right? I mean, listen, it's golf ball surveillance. Yeah. I, I wanna, I wanna kind of just go back and nix my idea for the golf ball <laughs> and microchip. I think it's an awful idea. I don't need anybody writing down what my happened? score before I get there. Ian quit playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> the golf ball chip. Ian went off the grid. He he quit even writing about golf. <laughs> But you know what? I mean, those are two kind of different sides of it, right? I mean, the, the, the stat tracking and the ability to, to know what you should hit, that's already there. I think one thing, we've not talked a lot about it, and I'm guilty of this too, right? Like, I'm on my phone as much as anybody is, maybe too much. But for a lot of people, when they get onto the golf course, it is a chance to kind of to kind of get away from that to some degree too. Yeah, yeah Meredith um, and I talked about that a lot last year, mm-hmm. and and that was one of the things. I mean, tune out, man. Just take advantage of your golf, you know. But even allowing for that fact, that doesn't impact the chip in the golf. No. Right, and no. if you get the stuff with the stat tracking, I think that will work when you don't have to go. And maybe this is already out there too. My guess is it probably is. But where like I don't have to open my phone up and log every shot, and it just does right. it for me. Mm-hmm. Because that is one thing I think is, you know, I'd tried some of the earlier iterations of um, the GPS on the phone. And again, maybe these are first world problems, but you know, I didn't like necessarily having to wait for the, wait for the phone to catch up. There's a bit of a delay opening it each time. Um, But it's there. And again, this ties into the, you could get rid of your bead counter too. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know you prayed the rosary out in the golf course. I've tried everything with little success today, but I'm in the throes of uh, take two weeks off and quitting right now. <laughs> no, but for instruction-wise, that would be amazing to have students just upload like their rounds, and then I could just go back and I could see exactly like the ball flight, the spin, everything. It would give me the information I need to know what contact, the would impact it, looked like. That would be easy to implement now, though. I mean, if you think about it, if you have, if they do make balls with chips in mm-hmm. it, the instructor, that would be a cutting right. edge thing that you could actually do that, right? That's a good idea. I need, I mean, to, go hang, need, I need to go to Top Golf one day. You would need to implement that now. I've been in Top Golf, but does it, obviously, you can't hit the ball as far, right? Uh, I would. That had to do something with performance as far as distance goes, having a chip in the ball? It's not an accurate uh, statement to your game, if that yeah, makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I I felt like I was hitting some of them, you know, pretty long. I felt like others were really short. I mean, it was, I it was all... I great score at Top Golf. I played really well at Top Golf. Yeah, and that, I mean, it's all oh, over wow, the map. But, but here's the other thing, <laughs> at, at Top Golf... <laughs> Yeah, at Top Golf, I'm not taking my clubs and going up on the top because I'm worried yeah. I'd launch one, you know? Yeah. So you're using somebody else's equipment. You know, most people there are using somebody else's equipment. You're not, you know, you're, yeah. you're you know, just walking in cold. You're not going to 
it's not going to be what you would do with your stuff anyway. But Meredith, I think you touched on, um, you, you know, maybe where technology could be of the greatest assistance to golf, and, and that is through instruction. And again, I know that there are already strides being made in this regard, but to me, one of the biggest challenges the game faces is it's a difficult game, right? And mm-hmm. most of us are self-taught, <laughs> no, no matter how, how bad that may be. I mean, how many people, when they start, go out and get a six-pack of lessons right. to go with? You know, technology to me should, in theory, going forward, make it much easier for people to receive instruction about what they need to do. A way that you know, whether it's your videoing, your swing, and you know what you can have. You don't even need a person to analyze that at this point. I would think that. I know as a teaching professional, you know, but that I may mean, not be up your alley, but no, but you just said something that that just brought on another idea. I mean, if you actually had an app that can analyze the golf swing create that you know draw like the line swing plane everything and you submit your swing and then it analyzes it like um you know your your path is going outside in you know too steep um you know just just basically tells you what's going on and then if they created like an algorithm for all these different scenarios for the golf swing, it would be really cool if it could just like spit out what is that correction, you know, maybe more shoulder rotation, swinging more on the inside, really feeling, you know, creating some lag, you know, to to make those corrections. And maybe to bridge the gap, you take that information and you send it to an instructor. The instructor sees the the swing information over a hundred swings with with one club, whatever it is, whether you go out to a range or you're doing one of course, uh-huh. and then you look at that and you see where the contact points are. You see right. uh, where the ball is traveling to. You send them back a quick instructional video, you know, about hey, this is what I would try right. based on what your swing data showed me. Uh-huh. This is what I'm seeing, and and then it's not just automatic. That way, you're not getting your information back from AI and feeling like judgment day is around the corner. I mean, because. If you tell me to do something, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it a lot more to heart than if a computer program tells me to do something. Right. Um, so I, it's almost I don't, like getting blood work done. You get your results, but you need that doctor to interpret right. it. Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to see the. I don't want to see LabCorp just send me a piece of paper back. Mm-hmm. I want something. It's never been signed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, what does that right. mean? Like, like <laughs> why I, does it say high out of range? Right. Why are there four <laughs> digits on there? I thought it was only supposed to be three. Like you don't want to see that. But if a doctor says, "Hey, just." We're going to talk this out. I'm going to tell you what it means. Yeah. Don't freak yeah. out. It's going to be okay. Right. And even that don't freak out at the beginning is what saves us all from like, oh, I mean, but that makes that's why King freak- and I don't have hair. It's because LabCorp sent us back bad results. That's only going mean, to make you freak out, though. Well, I don't this know. This is going to be bad. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but, I mean, if somebody is delivering news to you and if you're willing to send your swing data to somebody, it's because you want somebody to help you fix the problem and i think that's one of the problems with beginning golf and even guys like me that played for a while at times it gets so daunting because i'm like oh god i'm not hitting this well or this well or this well and then i feel like it's so much and i I have a problem fine-tuning so after a while i had to decide okay quit trying to kill it with your driver let's take that let's take that out of the equation but if i sent that to you then maybe you could have fixed that a few years earlier. The problem was is I was so worried about so many different things right. that I, I wasn't able to focus on one. I think that having that data and having somebody analyze that data that, that could come from that little ball 
and then you put that into your app and you forward out onto the next person again maybe it's a premium service mm -hmm. maybe you charge something to okay i'll accept right. your data I'll, I'll analyze it i'm gonna send it to you this is what i'm gonna charge right you know, I think it, it opens up so yeah, many doors it but. does and it might be more cost efficient for the golfer because as an instructor you know, I have my rates. Mm -hmm. I try to keep my rates reasonable because I want everyone to improve. I want everyone to experience the game. I want to, and I love growing the game. So it's just, I try to keep my rates reasonable. However, you know, there's a, a, a lot of my colleague <coughs> friends who charge a, a very high am, amount of money to get golf lessons. And um, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a lot to fork out. And, you know, we're in an area, we have a lot of retirees and people on, um, you know, fixed incomes, you know, we're not in a big city, you know, it's a little different, you know, the, the scope of the people th that live here. And so I feel bad for a lot of people that can't afford to get golf lessons, but that type of technology, because it doesn't take as much time mm -hmm. on the instructor's behalf. So mm -hmm. if somebody sent me like, you know, the, their, uh, their test results, right, mm -hmm. from their golf swing, it might take me, you know, five minutes to look over it, maybe five minutes to create a video. I mean, all in all, maybe it's a 20 minute process to get them a return video just to review and encourage them on what their next steps are. That's less time. It could be more cost efficient and it could kind of drive down some of the instruction rates, well, which I think they need to be. I mean, there's one instructor that's charging $500 an hour and I just... and. I, I just think that's just something's off with that. You get, mine, you get mine in the mail, and I'd say, you got my results. You say, no, we must do it to spam. Like, like, yeah. well, and, and you wouldn't have to spend that initial education time for you as far as, okay, i got to learn what's going on with this guy's swing. Because all you're looking at is is whatever data he decides to exactly. share with you. So you're not breaking down his entire game. You're not watching him swing the club for 10 minutes first. Exactly. You're not driving right. to the course to do that first. I mean, that yeah. those are all serious time-saving measures that for the right or, I guess, wrong person, if you want to look at it, that, that could be the difference between him playing golf or, or him giving it up, you know, because it does make it easier on him. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I, the, the greatest thing we could do to increase participation in golf would be to make access to good instruction more readily available mm -hmm. to people. Because, Ian, you know what, look, I mean, you and I, are, we're, we're pretty similar, right? I mean, we, we've played together a couple times, and mm -hmm. I think our games probably look a lot alike. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been out, we've played quite a bit. You know, I mean, I'll give you an example. People always say, well, you've been playing much lately? And the, the, with the inference being, well, if you're playing more, you're going to play better. And I always tell people that's not really true because I don't necessarily understand the intricacies of the swing, right? I mean, the difference between hitting a shot perfect and hitting something that you wouldn't tell anybody about can be a quarter to a half an inch, which sure. is, which is right, that, that's, that's pretty small in the, mm -hmm. in the big scheme of things. And you know, allowing people to better understand what they're trying to do would, would go really a lot further towards helping people improve their game than mm -hmm. any driver or any any set of dozen golf balls. True. So I was thinking about you this, Meredith, when you just mentioned that app. What is the, uh, people have apprehension of going to someone to get a lesson, <clears throat> just like they have those first tee nerves. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I know this person. It's like I don't want them to see how bad I am. Right. right. I mean, it's a very vulnerable thing, just swinging a so if you golf had something club. Like that, you could <laughs> say, a vulnerable position for me on the course. Yeah. Yeah. You could say I want to send that course. to someone in Ohio. Could say I want to send that to Meredith Kirk, mm -hmm. and she doesn't really know me. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, a lot of your a lot of people come to take a lesson to talk to. I mean, right. it's more, but 
that would be a cool thing to get over that nervousness of actually having someone else see your golf swing other than the guy you girl you play with. You know? Right. Maybe right. we should change this podcast to the Breaking Eighty Five podcast. Yeah, Breaking with yeah. Karen and Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Can she save Garen and Kirk? Yeah. yeah. I'll just I'll just save you some steps. No, no, she can't. I'm still getting over Garen. Like this is just I can't believe I was pronouncing his name wrong for eighteen. No, I can't believe it because I I could see myself doing that. We've known each other a while. Now I'm, now I'm kind of wondering what else. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a fun podcast. Anything yeah. else that comes to your mind that we want to add? We've covered a lot. Right? More than we thought. Yeah, more than we thought. Yeah, yeah we're kind of combining two podcasts in one now. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. It's been a fun episode. Number 10 on Gimme Golf. You can go to MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com. Find our podcast on there. Gimme Golf. Subscribe. We are on multiple digital platforms. All you can, of them. Yeah, practically all of them. Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And thanks, guys, for tuning in on Facebook. This is fun. This is our first time that um, we recorded on live Facebook today. So a lot of fun. Wow. Everyone, thanks for joining um, Ian, yep. Chris, you guys are awesome. And these are some fun topics. And I'm going to go and try to get one of these ideas patent because we need it. So. Yep. It's all going to make some money. So if, we don't, <laughs> right. if, if we don't see you soon, we know where you're at. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right.